0: Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 10.30. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 Westerman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we gather today to worship you. We are afraid of what we hear in the news. We pray, Father, for guidance for our leaders, our medical professionals. Help us in this crisis. Comfort those families who have lost loved ones. Heal the sick. As always, Father, watching the news just shows us that we need you. We need you, Father. Work on our lives. Teach us from our word. And give us faith and hope pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. We're so glad to have you here today. Father, we give back to you. You have been so generous with us. Give us open hearts. We pray, Father, that we would be given a burden to care for others. That you would move within us to give us a spirit of generosity. Use our gifts to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: The story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels.
0: beginning a series, A Day in the Life. So what we're going to do for the next several weeks is look at one event in the day of the life of Jesus. Start at Luke 2, appropriately. Trying to learn something just from the way Jesus conducted himself, how he related to other people. You know, I don't know about you, but some of the most profound lessons I've learned from people in churches... Haven't been from teachers. They've been from just people as they related to each other, how they responded to circumstances, how they treated other people, and things like that. So, what we're going to try to do is look at the life of Jesus and just from not necessarily what he taught, but just what he did. Learn something from that. Luke chapter 2. And as you can see, we're going to look at his trip to the temple when he was 12 years old. As always, we begin with prayer. Coronavirus, election, wars in so many places, Syria, the sex trade, troubles in families. The list is endless, isn't it? We're smart, we're capable, we're educated, and yet nothing seems to change. It's obvious we can't do this on our own, so today we ask for God's help. Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your presence, for this gift of life. You bless us in so many ways. When we count our blessings, the list is long. Even in hard times, you bless us You give us memories of the past, hope for the future, and you give us this life we have in Jesus. Thank you, Father. We receive your gifts, help us to be grateful. Use these gifts to remind us of your love for us. Use these gifts to encourage us to be generous and gracious towards others. Father, even as we say thank you, we confess our sin. Forgive us, Father, for our lust, for our drive for power and possessions and recognition. Forgive us for putting ourselves before others, for putting ourselves and our desires before you. Cleanse us, Father, as only you can. Give us another chance at this life. Help us to move on help us to receive the forgiveness you offer and understand that we can start again and Lord this morning we pray for our nation we pray for our leaders as they deal with this coronavirus for those families that are affected we pray for our nation in this year of elections we ask for guidance and leadership and truth help us father to live in a way that honors you. We pray that Christians would be Christian, would not just talk, but walk the faith. We pray that you would be with our soldiers and their first responders, their families, protect them wherever they serve, use them to bring peace and justice and safety, to save lives, comfort their families. Help us, Father, to move to the place where we no longer have wars. Help us to work for peace, to be peacemakers in our own lives and around the planet. As always, Father, we ask for wisdom and guidance. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On screen are just a few pics of little boys. I love watching little boys. They start out cute, and that lasts a few months. And then they start doing this. And no, these aren't my kids. I could have done that, but you you don't want to see any more pictures of my kids. But, you know, they just do what boys do. And they're all the same. You know, I, I raised, my wife and I raised daughters. And then we had two granddaughters. And we thought we had this thing figured out. And then Henry came along and showed us an entirely different world a way of relating to the world that was at the same time sweet and funny and violent and destructive. And we're still dealing with that four-year-old, sweet and violent and destructive and compassionate and all that mix. And that is boys, isn't it? And men. We're different than females, neither better nor worse, just different. Every morning at childcare, I watch the kids... And the girls are cute and sweet with their frills and all that, and I, and I love that. And then there's the boys. I don't know what the deal is with Spider-Man, but Spider-Man is run amok among the boys of our culture. And everybody's got Spider-Man tennis shoes, and they have those little hoodies, and they pull the hoodies up, and then they pull the mask down. And every day, it's, Spider-Man, how are you? And they, ha, every day. And I know they'll grow up someday, and they'll become Ninja Turtles or who knows. Boys have always been boys. They're different. Have you ever wondered about the boy Jesus? I mean, we talk about Jesus often, Son of God, Savior, Messiah, the living word. How about Jesus, the little boy? You know, he was one. He wasn't born Jesus, Savior. He was born Jesus, infant, and then he grew up. The Bible says he was just like us in every way, so everything you can imagine goes on with little boys, ancient cultures and new, went on with Jesus. I think that probably at one point, Mary and Joseph realized that Jesus was, well, he was just like all the other kids in the street, a boy. Follow along with me if you would in Luke chapter 2. I'll begin verse 41 and read through that chapter. A day in the life of a little boy named Jesus. Verse 42, 41. And his parents used to go to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were there returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents were unaware of it. But supposed him to be in the caravan and went on a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And it came about that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to and them, and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? They did not understand the statement which he had made to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man a day in the life 12 years old just a kid by all accounts pretty normal and yet not so normal one of the things that we have to grasp is and this is hard for us I think is that Jesus God himself came and was just like us in human form Like I said, we talk about the miracle worker, the Messiah. Scholars fuss about just how human Jesus was. You may not realize that, but preachers fight about everything, and preachers and and religious scholars fight about how much human Jesus was. Uh, One school of thought said Jesus wasn't really human. He appeared to be human because that's what people expected, and that's what it took to relate to humans, but he wasn't really human. That's called high Christology. Christology is the study of Jesus. Others, on the other side, and I take the other extreme, Jesus was just like us in every way. He worked, he sweat, he slept, he got tired, got in trouble from his mom and daddy. Just like us in every way, yet without sin. That's called low Christology. Absolutely human. The reason for the fuss is, some people think that humans are so depraved that Jesus couldn't have been just like us. Because if Jesus were just like us, he would be a sinner. The other side is, and this is my side, Jesus was absolutely like us, and yet, without sin. Paul called him the second Adam. Do you know that? The second Adam. The first Adam. You know what happened? The second Adam got it right. The second Adam, God created man, Jesus And that one got it right. Lived his life in obedience to God. Lived on this earth. Related to others. Got it right. So I'll stand with Paul explaining that one. So Jesus, son of God, man. Jesus had a normal Jewish life. What they did in this passage was normal. If you remember, it said that everybody did this. This was a group so there was a caravan from all over the country, people would go to Jerusalem for the feast. And this was a several day event, think Christmas on steroids, and everybody went and there was a huge crowd in Jerusalem, hundreds of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of people. It swole from a population, typically 30 to 50,000, to well over 250,000 for that week. So this was a huge crowd of people, no Johnny on the spot, so this was a, this was a bizarre thing, Right? Jesus was there, taken. He had been there every year, more than likely. It was a big deal. They traveled in a caravan. They stayed the week, and they went home. This is just the way it was. Jesus, growing up, he looked forward to this every year. His parents were normal parents. They knew their kid was bright, because we all think our kids are bright, at least a little bit above average, right? No one ever thinks their kid's an idiot, and we say it, but we don't really believe it. We have this hope that our kids are intelligent, Jesus' parents knew that Jesus was special. They remembered the stories. They remembered the appearance of the angels and the voices. But so far, Jesus was nothing more than kind of a bookish little boy, just a kid, pretty normal. By the time he was 12, even though he was normal, there was something distinctive about Jesus. He was beginning to come on. You know, at 12 years old, kids begin to form their personalities. You see it earlier, of course, but by the time they're 12, you know, 6th grade and 7th grade, their real personas begin to develop. Jesus was bookish to an extreme. Good kid, played in the street, wanted to help dad in the carpentry shop, and yet learned to read, fussed with the preachers, liked to talk and think about God. I imagine him asking mom and dad all these things about God in the scriptures and all those kinds of things, and and. I remember, like my parents did, why don't you go talk to the preacher? And they would make me go do that because I would ask them questions. And, uh, and I imagine that Jesus' parents had those conversations often. Why don't you go talk to the rabbi? And of course he would because he wanted to do that. So he was normal but had some peculiar characteristics. Normal. God in the flesh. Scholars call this the incarnation. The incarnation. The act by which the second person of the trinity, God the Son, took on a human form. So you're familiar with the trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, God the Son, took on human flesh. It's called the incarnation. And we often don't talk about it, but but this was was a huge deal. You know, we talk about the birth of Jesus, the miraculous conception. It was a big deal. But the incarnation... We just barely touch what that really was. The incarnation was huge. First of all, you remember the passages a miraculous conception, virgin birth, really happened. Some people have trouble with this. I, you know, I, I wonder about Christians sometimes who deny the virgin birth or say it couldn't have happened. You know, the test is can we do it? And if we can't do it, well, then it can't be done, right? really? Is it possible for God to do something that we can't do? Well, of course it is. He's God. I don't get hung up on the miracle of the virgin birth. We fuss about why and how and all those kinds of things, but there was this miraculous event. Christ, the Christ child, formed as a result of a miracle of God. God in the flesh, in the beginning was the Word, The Word was with God. The Word was God in the flesh. Completely human. Turn to Philippians 2, if you would. I'll read verses 6 and 7, talking about Jesus. Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. This is one of the more controversial passages in the New Testament. To read it, it may not say much to some of us, but it's at the heart of that low and high Christology thing that I mentioned earlier. This goes to the issue of exactly what happened in the Incarnation. In the Incarnation, Jesus, Son of God, took on not just human flesh, but get this, he took on the limitations of human flesh. All right, it's 11.12. I know that I have about 20 minutes. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to get hungry. Do you know that Jesus got hungry? In synagogue, he got hungry, and he wondered if that rabbi was ever going to stop talking because he was hungry, just like us. That's a limitation of human flesh. He got hungry. At the end of the day, we get tired. We need a break. We need to sit down and put our feet up and turn on the TV. Jesus would understand. He got tired. He was human, just like us. In every way, just like us. Tempted in every way, yet without sin, so says Scripture. Everything about you that makes your life human, Jesus experienced. So if you ever think, well, Jesus wouldn't understand, yes, he would. He was tempted by all the things that tempt us. And yet he said no. He got it right, remember. Second Adam. Jesus, God in the flesh, fully human, fully loving, truly what God wanted. Jesus gave up the privileges of deity. What this means is when Jesus, the boy at 12, could argue scripture with the scholars, he did so because he did things the old fashioned way. He studied scripture. We all know child prodigies, that some kids are just bent towards books, right? This was Jesus. He played in the streets, did all the normal things, and yet there was something about Jesus that drove him to study Scripture. In other words, he knew Scripture at age 12 because he studied Scripture. He didn't just wake up one day and have it. Yes, he was the living word, but he dealt with all the limitations of us. So says Paul, the word kenosis, that emptied himself, That's a profound term. Jesus gave up everything to become like us. Now, think about that. Deity knows everything. Deity can do anything. They don't have to think. They just do. They know. They experience the fullness of all experiences. They live without temptation. Really, they've got the perfect existence. Jesus gave up all of that for you. And he risked it all. And the risk was... He might sin. Jesus could have sinned. Had he sinned, he would have lost everything. You see, he risked all of that for us. Fully human, spiritual, loving and without sin. That spiritual thing, it always gets me. When I think of spiritual, and I don't know about you, when I think of someone who's spiritual, my, the old images come to mind Stern-faced preachers carrying a big black Bible. And I don't know why Bibles are always black, but they were back in the old day, right? And always angry, ready to hit me with their Bible. And they and some did that. and You know, those kinds of things. And sometimes we, we get this idea that if you're spiritually minded, you're very serious and very stern. And Jesus wasn't like that at all. Jesus, Son of God, wasn't serious at all. He laughed. He talked. They accused him of being drunk by nine in the morning. How do drunk people act? They laugh. They're loud. This was Jesus fitting with the crowd. Another thing about spiritual, typically, if someone is spiritually minded, people are kind of uncomfortable around him. Have you ever noticed that? You're always afraid they're going to give you a sermon. I know when we moved into the neighbor here, here at here in Independence, the neighbors were all afraid of me because I was a preacher because you know how we are and of course I made it a point not to be like what they thought preachers are going to be like because I just wanted to befriend them and all those kinds of things and it was a long time before they would just come up and talk to me because you know how preachers are, we might just pull out a sermon and shoot them you can get our God gun out and go to go to it. You know, that's how preachers are. And we have this idea that, that spiritual people aren't very friendly and you can't really just chat with them and have a good time. And Jesus showed us that wasn't true. You can be truly spiritual and absolutely normal. Jesus was surrounded everywhere he went. And here's the kicker. Even little kids like Jesus, they crawled all over Remember, the disciples said, Jesus, let's get rid of these grub rats. We don't want them around. And Jesus says, listen, these are the kind of people we want to be around. You see, kids were special to Jesus. And children knew that being spiritual meant you were kind and gracious and loving. And yes, you knew scriptures. That's what spiritual is. Spiritual isn't being necessarily serious all the time. Truly spiritual. So there we have this image of Jesus. We looked at just... Just an image of him, his parents looking for him, the fear there, and all those kinds of things. So what are we going to do with that? Nice story. Jesus' personal life, this image of Jesus as little boy, serious about his faith, is a challenge to us. Now think about this. Have any of you ever lost a kid for a while? Run down the street or ran out in the... ran ran down the neighborhood or left you in a store. I remember when I was a little squirt, couldn't have been more than four because it was before I moved up to the big city. Mom took us to Springfield, took us to a department store, and back in that day, you know, a department store was a big deal. In Springfield, population 60,000 was a huge city to us then. And I wandered off. And I ended up wandering out in the street. I wasn't particularly afraid. I just knew that I wasn't where Mama was, and and that was kind of unnerving. And this really nice gentleman in a blue suit in a car with a light on the top picked me up, and we drove around for a while, and he was very nice, and I wasn't afraid at all necessarily. And Mom got me, and she was not particularly friendly to me. She loved me. She hugged me. She cried all over me. And I think she wanted to hit me at the same time. I understand that now. I didn't know what the big deal was. I do now. Joseph and Mary had gathered the caravan together, and they left. And they left. Je- they didn't know they left Jesus. They just thought Jesus was smart enough because he was a bright kid, right? And they had told him, "Now, Jesus, you know, this day we're going to leave. So you get with your friends. We're going to go home." And you know, they did this. Look at me. You know, one of those things. And so they had that conversation. So they didn't worry about Jesus not being with them until that night. Everybody set camp, and they couldn't find him. And then they realized, oh, my gosh. And then Mary pulled the mom thing. Joseph, what are we going to do? I know our little boys in the big city and all this. So they, they got in, on the road, went back to town, and they found him. And this conversation, I want to read this to you again in, in our passage. Look at Verse 48. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. That is a really nice version, I think, of what really happened. I imagine Joseph, going, Jesus, what the heck? And mom grabbing him, shaking, I love you you know, all those things. You know, these are these are just human families. And their little boy had been gone and they found him, and this was this was a huge deal. Now I don't know what to say about The rabbis who kept him there for three days and they didn't look for mom and dad. I don't know what to think about those, you know, doesn't impress me at all with their intellect. But I do know that sometimes guys don't really have a clue when it comes to kids, right? And the stereotype fits there. But they found Jesus, everything was good. And Jesus came up with this understanding. Uh, why? What's the big deal? I'm in my father's house. And we began to see that at age 12, Jesus not only studied scripture, understood scripture, he knew the prophecies of scripture about Messiah. He read Isaiah 53, just like you. He read Psalm 22, just like you. All the passages about Messiah, he read and he interpreted them just like he was taught. And he understood that that Messiah in Isaiah 53 was him. Now, he didn't understand everything fully at age 12, but he knew that that he was that Messiah, whatever that meant. So when the 12-year-old was fussing about Scripture with the scholars, he wasn't just fussing because he liked to argue with scholars. He was really trying to figure out his path in life. Remember, Jesus gave up the all-knowing part of deity when he became human. So he had to figure this out. So at age 12, he knew Scripture, and he was beginning to find his path. And interestingly enough, he went back home with his family, if you would. Look at verse 51. And Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. So Jesus knew something was special. They had this event, and he went home, just like before. The 12-year-old that had that really bizarre experience in the big city went home and got back to normal life. Probably next year, he went back to Jerusalem, and they remembered him. And probably year after that, and a year after that. You see, nothing really changed, because Jesus... He just lived his life, and he didn't have it all figured out. You know, we we think he did when he was 12. He didn't. He was getting it. But it took him years to figure out his place in life. Does that sound familiar to you? I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, you know, God wants me to be a preacher. Would have made my daddy happy, not my mama. She wanted to be a music director, you know, and uh, all those kinds of things. It took me years to find out what god wanted me to do some of you are still struggling i get it it's not easy and in every situation i have to ask myself what what i know what the scripture says but i'm not sure how i'm supposed to act how am i supposed to think here how am i supposed to do you're normal just like jesus you got to figure it out you got to talk to people you got to study scripture you got to trust that god will lead you just like Jesus the challenge for us is to be like Jesus and to follow his lead and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect Jesus was spiritually oriented, meaning he tested his life against God's leadership. He tested his thoughts and attitudes by scripture. He learned that how other people acted and thought and felt may not necessarily be what God wanted for him. In his culture, to choose a life that was different than your father's was huge. Jesus struggled with that, no doubt. Somewhere along the way, he realized, I can't stay in the shop. I've got other things. And so he made that choice. You see, it it was a truly spiritual decision. It wasn't because of money or fame. That kind of thing for preachers didn't happen for a long time. But he followed God's lead. Spiritual oriented means you consider... God's lead in all instances before you act and before you talk. Another thing is an eternally oriented life. Read this passage with me. For our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This means you think about eternity. Not just now, but then. Jesus did this. He tried to figure out and ultimately, he did figure out the long term of his life. By the time he went to Jerusalem with his disciples that last time, he knew what was going to happen. He knew that the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 was him. He knew that the suffering servant meant that he was going to be crucified. He knew when he read Psalm 20, 22, my father, you know, why dost thou neglect me? You know, he knew that was him. He began to understand And he followed God's lead. We all have to make choices about vocation, relationships, recreation, all those kinds of things. That's just part of life. For Christians, we must consider how am I going to do forever? I follow Jesus. Am I going to be held accountable? Am I going to hear that idea, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Am I going to please God with my choices? Will I make a lasting impact on my kids and grandkids and spouse? See, Christians give up the luxury of doing whatever we want. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. One other thing on a witnessing life. Read this with me. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. This is where Jesus really got it right. Always willing to talk about the need for redemption and salvation. And yet he did it in a way that wasn't offensive. It wasn't a turn or burn thing. It wasn't... Didn't come across as self-righteous. He just came across as a guy who loved people and could help them. You see, that's our goal. Not to force Jesus down people's throats. Not to scare them necessarily. But just to love them and guide them to faith in Jesus. That means sometimes you bring up the issue of salvation in certain conversations. Not in every conversation. You have to wait for the right time. You have to be willing to bring up spiritual issues when they come up and don't shy from them. At the very least, you should be willing to say what you think as Christian and why. Never be afraid to share your faith in Jesus. I've learned the hard way that sometimes people really are hungry. And if you don't give them something, they'll find something else. Witnessing life. Jesus was just a little boy, and he turned out good. On screen is one more picture. Look at this. I don't know if you can read that. They wanted the same haircut so the teachers wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Now, how funny is that? And you've seen that, haven't you? Kids and grandkids, they don't even know what they're supposed to fight about. Of course, they're not, but we do. You know, and sometimes if we look at little boys, we can learn tremendous lessons in life I was watching Nate's kids earlier today Nate entertained the praise team today with his kids and they were being kids and I don't, he probably didn't think as near as funny as we did but I looked down and his two little boys were fussing and screaming and fighting and hugging each other at the same time and smearing their smile all over each other just doing what little boys do and I thought you know, that's a great picture of the way we're supposed to be we differ, we struggle and we love anyway And isn't that what God wants us to do? You will always have differences with people. But he wants you to love anyway. And Jesus did that. He struggled against people, but he loved them anyway and died on the cross. He lived a life of faith, absolutely sincere, kind, and obedient to God. That's the life we want given to God. Nate's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn of invitation. Let me challenge you to look at the life of Jesus and learn from that little boy. Grow in the faith and follow him. Would you stand with me as Nate leads us? Dear Lord, we we thank you for uh, the life of your son, uh, the example uh, that we have, his life and his love uh, for us. Help us to uh, be that loving example uh, in the world around us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.